0: What's up, everybody? It's your man, Ply Rock. And before we get started with today's podcast, just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you to please follow us on Facebook at Ply and the Moldog. That's P-L-Y-A-N-D-T-H-E d-a-w-g ply and the moldog you can also find our live video game show most nights of the week at plyrock gamer on facebook and you can find us on twitter and instagram at plyrock gamer p-l-y-r-o-c-k g-a-m-e-r we appreciate all the support we'd love it if you dropped us some feedback a subscribe on spotify itunes or google play it really helps out the show thank you so much and enjoy Meeting at the intersection of entertainment and knowledge, of greatness and destiny, comes the greatest sports video game movie podcast on today. Please welcome in your hosts, Plyrock and Mitch the Mulder. What's going on everybody? It's your man Plyrock and welcome to a special podcast slash vodcast version of Ply in the Moldog. What's going on, Moldog? How are you, man?
1: I'm pumped up. This is our second version of the uh, VODcast, so uh am going to try to get a little better every time. we got a little NFL. we got a little WrestleMania, past and present. Yeah, man. And uh, don't let me forget, towards the end, we've got a little uh, Paulina Gretzky, if you will.
0: Paulina Gretzky? <laughs> what yeah. the hell? All right, is that is that Wayne Gretzky's daughter? yes it is oh my gosh i haven't heard the word gretzky in a very very long time anyway man get us started man what's the top story here what, what am i gonna get mad about first go ahead i'm ready well
1: does playoff expansion in the nfl raise your ire
0: it raises my a little bit is this where they went from 12 games to 14 games Twelve
1: teams to fourteen teams. Sorry, so, yeah, fourteen they,
0: teams. Yeah, that's what I meant yeah, to say. Yeah, so they they added
1: they added an extra game in each in each conference. So it's it's going to be uh, um, seven seven teams in each conference now. So they basically added one wild card team uh, okay. per conference. But the interesting thing, and you know, you can never can never question the NFL when it comes to television contracts and being able to get their product out there. And in an attempt to, which I could only imagine, is to reach younger audiences, mm-hmm. one of the games is going to be on Nickelodeon.
0: yeah, heard that.
1: Who next year?
0: All right. Listen, I guess I guess Stalin did it best, get them while they're young. But I know the NFL's been taking a little bit of a hit on. I don't want my kid playing football. You've been hearing a lot more of that, as obviously, obviously football is not the safest sport in the world. So I, I you know, I sort of understand that, but. Why would they even – Why I don't understand how this – are they going to play the game differently, maybe not as violently? Like, I don't understand how it fits into Nickelodeon's structure. Like, I don't yeah. – who are they going to get to do this? Uh, the Double Dare guy? I, I don't know. Oh, who's going to do that?
1: You know what I mean? The guy who played the uh, shaft on you can't do that on television? Remember that guy behind yeah. the grill there? I, I don't know.
0: I don't, I, who's gonna do the play-by-play for this like i just don't understand how this even no, works itself out i mean i guess they know better than us but i don't know i think it's kind of hokey but i but you know back to the 14 games itself those i don't necessarily uh hold on one second here i'm there we go okay now i'm back in now it works uh, leave the site. Yes, I want to leave the site. Leave me alone. Okay. Anyway, so the 14 game, uh, 14 teams, that means that only two teams, I'm guessing, are getting a bye.
1: Yes, the number one seed each conference now are the only buys. That is correct. So there's some obvious uh, impetus to really fight for that number one overall seed, because that's your only chance at getting an extra week.
0: Okay, okay. So... Is this was this the owner's way of sneaking in the extra game, I guess, without getting the Remember they wanted they were really pushing hard for an extra uh, an extra week or two on the regular season and they the players were really throwing back on that pretty hard and they didn't want to do an extra a few games cuz it is a dangerous game, you know what I mean? So, do you remember Cow'd. that?
1: How dare you accuse the owners of trying to sneak in an extra game? They've only <laughs> been trying it for fifteen years.
0: Yeah, no, um,
1: I. Yeah, it it helps in the way they the way they sold it, and they've they've tried. Eventually, okay, here's here's what's going to happen. This may be five years down the road, or this may be ten years down the road, because I think the collective bargaining agreement is technically for ten years now. You know, both sides agree you can do some things. It's eventually going to be an eighteen game season,
0: okay. okay? Because
1: that makes it so much easier for scheduling, even number of games. You have all this nonsense with playing in London now, and certain teams are going to have to play in London. Nobody wants to play in London. It's it's a hit, especially um, not
0: now. They don't, right? So, <laughs> but
1: this seems to be a good half measure. But how they sold it is, you know, now it's it's playoff money. Okay. Right, so if you, if you get that playoff game and you're that seventh team in the conference or that you know third wild card in the conference, well, now it's playoff money. So when you sell it as playoff money versus one-seventeenth 17th uh-huh. of regular, you know, of regular season money, it becomes a little easier sell. But yes, if the NFL had its total druthers, they would play an 18 game schedule. The only way they're away with it is they are going to have to chop preseason games. They are already talking about chopping one. I don't know if that is a hundred percent yet, but I think what's going to go along with this is you're going to go down to three preseason games. You don't need four. You haven't need needed four for a while. Yeah. Four pre four preseason ga- games is nothing but a money grab from the owners because they make the season ticket holes by the preseason package in order to be able to buy the regular season package. So that's always been a bit of a bone of contention. But they're going to get their 18 games at some point. Seems to be a half-minute. Players uh, have gone for it because now we're talking about playoff money versus regular season money.
0: Yeah, which which is obviously the the coffers Mm -hmm. are a little bit higher. And it gives a few other teams. I'm guessing just kind of thinking back here on the last season, which I didn't pay attention to that much. I know you did. But wouldn't the Steelers have made it in or the – there was like an eight it's some 8 and 8 teams or 9 and 7 teams that necessarily didn't make it this year this past year I, into the playoffs.
1: And the the AFC was the most interesting one coming down the stretch mm-hmm. when you got into those possibilities. It was either the Steelers or the Raiders were the last team out in the AFC and it came down to, you know, if this team wins this team loses and all the different scenarios and it didn't shake out for either of them but Okay. those were the two those were the two last teams out they were still in it uh on the last week of the season and then they were eliminated the NFC was a little more cut and dry if I remember the NFC last year was just kind of a man it was kind of good teams and, and all shit. real crummy teams the yeah. only thing you know the the NFC East being you know teams where what the Eagles win it with nine and seven.
0: Did the Eagles win like the that? whole thing
1: yeah, at nine and, they, and seven? I believe it was nine and seven. No and they way, hate dude! Buck. They really? had to beat the Cowboys, didn't they have to? I think they had to beat the Cowboys in the last week. Till I hate totally trying to recall my memory because I got thirty seasons going through my head. But <laughs> I know, I know the division. I I know the division one, winner won it at nine and seven. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it was the Eagles at, at nine and seven. That NFC East was a mess, man. The Giants were a mess. The Redskins were worse than a mess. The Cowboys, you know, they were they were okay. They were hanging around. Yeah. And the Eagles were pretty much just okay and hanging around. Let That's me how say, that went.
0: Down. Let me say real uh, hello real uh, fast to the chat. What's up, guys? How are you? We're actually live on Ply and the Muldogs Facebook page, but I have switched over to the Ply Rock Nation facebook page because i did cross post so what's going on everybody i see everybody in here watching right now how is it how's it going um mitch is going to keep an eye on the ply and the moldog chat and i'm going to keep an eye on the ply rock nation chat so we don't miss your comments like banana is already saying uh, philly was nine and seven when they won the super bowl so they would they were they were essentially a wild, they were a wild card team who just a cinderella story and they uh, they ended up pulling it through with what their I think their quarterback was hurt uh, what was it what was his name who was hurt who when they won the Super Bowl Bananas well is gonna Carson at me for this. Carson
1: Wentz Carson Wentz was hurt and Nick Foles yeah. played played the game of his hey the Giants won one of those Super Bowls against the Patriots the Giants got in at nine and seven so you can get in at nine and seven and make a run mm-hmm. it's all how you're playing it's all how you're playing at the end of the year and how healthy you are at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, if you're if you're nine and seven, but you're on a five game winning streak because you got everybody back, well, that's different than a team that was, you know, eight and two, and then finished, you know, one and five to go nine and seven. Okay, those are those are apples and oranges. So it really depends what type of role you're on as you enter the playoffs, more so than the actual record.
0: Let's catch up real quick on some of these comments, Bulldog, because I love my pioneers. Carl saying go ply hope is all as well all is well brother thank you last night I actually hit a deer that's actually what happened so uh the de- I am fine the car is fine uh the deer's ass is not fine so that deer was assless uh, that deer's not going to be going clubbing anytime soon uh Phil's saying clowny is asking way too much Noah's here what's going on Noah how are you man more for football I know it means more football Noah I think Newton to the Niners, Jimmy G back to the Pats. Well, they're throwing it out. us hot and heavy here. Uh, Bananas is saying tank for Trevor. Is that the uh, guy? <laughs> is that the guy with the blonde mullet from that college team?
1: That's the guy from. Sherry's here. Justin's good.
0: here. Guys, uh, excuse us too on the uh, alerts. We shut off the alerts just so we could record the podcast as well. So we still love all the notifications. We still. What's going on, preacher? Welcome in, dude. How are you, man? People say the NFC sucks. They just beat the ish out of each other. <laughs> and if the division is tough and you went nine and seven, that is different than having two of the worst teams in the league and going nine and seven. So we are all caught up on the comments, Moldog. Sorry. I had to like fast forward myself. And there. those,
1: those were, those were all great points. I'll, uh you, I'll go to the, I'll go to the tank for Trevor one, because you're going to hear that. Yeah. And you know what that means is, you know, finish last, get the first pick and, the consensus first next year is going to be this kid, Trevor Lawrence, out of Clemson.
0: Oh, tank it, for Trevor. I get Yeah, it now. so
1: tank for Trevor.
0: Uh, the, the, prop, okay. the the problem is it never
1: works. It just doesn't work. No, the work.
0: Dolphins didn't do it. The Dolphins couldn't you know, get it done. It, they couldn't it suck work. bad enough.
1: It doesn't work for two reasons. First of all, it seems like the Karma gods don't like you doing it. Second of all, the fans. one that – well, the fan, the fans, pay hard you know, money for this, yeah, but sometimes the fans go wow. the other way and and want you to lose for. But here's why tank for Trevor doesn't work. You got to understand something. This is a little more in the weeds, right? Okay. If you're an NFL, if you're an NFL player and you're a marginal player, like it, you know, the difference between you have a job next year or you don't. Right? You're fighting for a team. You're not sure you have a job. Mm-hmm. All you have as an NFL player, when you're going to the marketplace, if you will, is your film. Your film is everything. Mm-hmm. So these guys aren't going to go out year. there. Right. They're not going to go out there and be half-ass, quote-unquote, tanking for Trevor, yeah. when they might not even be on that team next year. Correct. And they got to play cost for themselves, them a job. too. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do it. You, you,
0: yeah. you can't do no, it. I and understand they, it.
1: You just can't do it. So, A, it never works. No. B you, you no. can't do it. See the karma gods are always against you. And D it's just it goes against everything that it should go They're against professional the professional
0: football. Exactly. Players.
1: And the NBA did it for years and what they do they change the rules.
0: Yeah. They, change, well, they they the they NBA change the rules. The NBA still has a fake draft. So we'll go there, but you know if the NFL could switch to a fake draft then it wouldn't matter because then Trevor could go wherever the football uh, higher-ups want him to go. So it looks like this year the NFL is going to have a fake draft with, like, four guys in one little room. So maybe they can do the old NBA lottery system, the pretend lottery system, where they just, you know, send Patrick Ewing. I think we talked about this last time. 1985, I think, is what you told me. Uh, Yeah, I think
1: it was 80. By the time the draft came around, I think it was – no, it might have been still been 85. 85 or eighty six. Well, like I said, I was a junior. I was a junior in high school. Wow! And I, and I remember my uh, English teacher, the huge Celtics fan, mm-hmm. and he was convinced that it was just a pure conspiracy, and Ewing was going to the Knicks, and sure enough. Uh Ewing went to the Knicks.
0: So he said <laughs> Ewing's going to the Knicks long before Ewing went to the Knicks.
1: Before it happened, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, new you by the way, just to be fair, Patrick Ewing also uh co starred in Space Jam with Michael Jordan. So he you know, he does earn some respect back in from me in on that one. The only people who can tank a team is the front office. Trade all the good players away and be stuck with bad players. This sounds like the story from Major League. The players and coaches won't tank. That's what Preacher's saying. Um I kind of That's agree. A I think point. Muld, That's a Muldug agrees point. too. Yeah. it's just, what's going on, Stevie? I see you in there, man. Happy uh, post second day, 21st birthday lag switch. So anyway, um, yeah, the players, man, you, like you said, if, if you stand out on that team, maybe you're not necessarily going to be on that crappy team, like the dolphins or something next year. Like they, everybody wanted the dolphins to tank, I think this past year. And then they got hot and they beat the Patriots for crying out loud and knocked the Patriots out of the one seed. Yeah, I know. So, but then they gave up their fake number one pick for this draft. So, you know what I mean? It just you know, Bill Murray. Yes, Bill Murray was also in Space Jam. The Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, Stevie actually don't have to pretend to tank. Uh, they just naturally have it in their blood right now. So. But, but the yeah. point about
1: the point about Major League was a good one. Whoever made that one, because me. if you remember, yeah, if you I'm remember, in that,
0: fan, who do you think made yeah. that point?
1: If you remember, <laughs> if you remember, in that one, not only did they not tank, but it developed this culture of players and the field manager against management. upper management, right? Yeah. So you, it got it got this us versus them mentality working, and they played hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I
1: know it's a movie, but the point it's not just a movie
0: back up it's not just i love major league man All right. you don't it's have not just eat. a movie so oh, I mean, me it's, i mean it's it's it actually is the reason why i'm stuck with those lovable losers the cleveland indians so it's actually affected my life in ways that very few movies except like rocky balboa have affected so you know what i mean like major league is like right up there dude bananas is saying miami will be good next year if there's a next year bananas we'll see what happens we hope well, so good Good, I think they're good, all going to be good. I think yeah, it's going to be a tough division, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, good Good is a relative term. Miami is one of those teams right now. They played better at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They, seem to, they seem to play very hard for their coach, all mm-hmm. good signs. The, the coach does come from the Patriot tree, which doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And they're young. They have picks. They have a lot of picks. They seem to be in the sweepstakes for trading all over the board. Uh, moving up, moving down, compiling picks, moving up for Tua, uh, see where they're at and maybe getting Tua. Uh, you know, they're, they're, Miami has been kind of um, tied to every draft rumor there is. Do I think the Dolphins will be good? Good's a relative term. Will they be competitive in that division? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I still think right now, all things considered, the the Buffalo Bills are still the odds on now successor of the heir to the throne, so to speak. But, you know, Bill Belichick's not an idiot, so he's I, I assume he's going to put together a winning record team, um, you know, besides the quarterback problem they have right now because they got Purdue and Ragu playing a quarterback. But once they figure out their quarterback position, I don't, I don't foresee them not being competitive. So we'll see what happens there. I don't know. Back to the 14 uh, teams... I just don't know how the NFL, on one hand, everybody is always making this argument of how dangerous the sport is. How dangerous the sport is. The concussions, the, you know, this, that, and the other. The, the guys are retiring early, like Andrew, like Andrew Luck and those guys. So I don't understand how on one breath they can do that, but on the other breath, let's add an actual playoff game. And a playoff game is a different type of game and more violent and more competitive and harder hitting than a preseason game where, you know, half the guys are sitting on the bench and the other half of the guys are in the back playing ESPN NFL 2K5 with updated rosters. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're not – it's not exactly the same environment with the same violence and the same – you know, they're not it's – just, it's just not. So it's kind of hypocritical, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, is it cool that we're going to get a little bit more football? Yeah, that's cool. But at the same time, then, don't make the argument that – this is a, a super dangerous game, but we're going to add to the schedule. There's a reason these guys can only play 16 real games. And there's a reason they need a bye week because they're getting, they get beaten up like baseball. Yeah. You can make the argument 164 or whatever. It's a hundred. What is it? 164 game season?
1: 162. Well, not 162, this year, but 162. Well,
0: yeah. Normally 162 uh, game season. <clears throat> Baseball is, you know, you stand around most of the inning watching what's going on, and then you have those short bursts of action, you know. Whereas this is like just constant seven seconds of constant pounding and violence while you're on the field. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I guess that from a money perspective, I see it because you know every you know you need to make money. I mean, we ain't they ain't doing it if they ain't making money. The players ain't playing if they ain't making money. The owners ain't owning if they ain't making money, and Goodell ain't deflating footballs if they ain't making money. So, those things aren't happening if they ain't making money, right? Do you agree? That's right. That's uh-huh. right.
1: And it's it's you never you never. I don't know how you synchronize these two Twains. Okay, Sergeant well, I know Henry. how they do it. It's 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 a Ooh. lot of pomp and circumstance. But on in one breath, you make all these hits illegal. You call all these penalties. You. You know, all this stuff to quote unquote make the game safer, but you're always looking to add games to the bottom line. So that's always the fight with the players association always says, sure, you know, don't don't freaking bullsh- don't bullshit me. You're you're yeah. you know, you're just that's just surface stuff, the penalties and this then the other the minute you can add a couple games, you're going to do it. So they're always trying to merge those two things. And, you know, let's face it. Is it really that complicated at the end of the day? At the end of the day, you know, the almighty dollar wins out and it has won out again here. I'm not saying it's right, it's wrong or indifferent. Just saying that at the end of the day, the almighty dollar won out and the way they were able to get the players over to their side was simply, you know, additional, additional money, playoff money for those two teams and they made some concessions on, on some other things and some raises. And there were some things in that CBA, which, you know, I wouldn't bore everybody with the details because it's, you know, 100 pages long. But, you know, it ended up, you know, they, they threw, threw a couple bones to the Players Association and they got their extra game. And eventually they'll have 18 games.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I just, yeah. And like I said, from a fan perspective, I think it's pretty cool <laughs> from a fan perspective because now your team has a little bit more of a shot. To make the postseason, so some of these teams that generally don't make the postseasons on a regular basis uh, will be able to. Although the NFL has actually pretty good parity, to be honest, unlike some other sports. So, but it does show it. It will give a lot of uh, a lot of smaller fan bases, maybe smaller markets, smaller uh, revenue, you know, revenue generating teams, an opportunity to sneak in the playoffs and do something special which builds better Cinderella stories, which ultimately uh, makes the uh, product more exciting because the product is more exciting. When the Cinderella story comes through, it's not as exciting when the evil empire wins year after year after year. So like with Tom Brady going to the bucks, like with now the Patriots are not the odds on favorite every year to, to uh, you know, go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl or be in the NFC AFC championship, it does create an aura of we don't know what's gonna happen and we don't know what's gonna happen equals eyeballs. Well, and if you much
1: similar to what MLB did when they put in the wild card system. Yeah, it was great. Different spots the idea is you keep you keep more markets in play for longer. Sure. So it's more eyeballs. It's more hot dogs. It's more beers. It's more jerseys. It's more parking. It's more everything that goes along with a a contest. So you know you add two NFL teams,
0: uh-huh.
1: and this is where it, this is where it ties into the players. Also, uh, the owners also negotiated uh, a higher. They they conceded a higher percentage of the total revenue.
0: To okay. the players, okay? okay. Uh,
1: they only they only that's went up fair. about one percent. That's fair. I think I think it went from like forty eight to forty nine point five, but still, that's, that's millions big. of dollars, bro. That's millions of dollars, millions. So that was that was the other sell. Hey, listen, we keep two more teams revenue. or potentially, you know, okay. four okay. guys who are close, teams that are close. There's always stuff happening in that last week. We keep more markets in play, and you know, we sell more jerseys, hot dogs, beers, parking, blah blah blah. That's all going to you guys. So my guess is that was part of the big, you know, negotiation, part of the uh, sales arrangement that went on. So, you know, let's make the pie bigger. Plus we're giving you guys a little bigger piece of sure. pie. And now theoretically everybody's
0: happy to well, a degree. Bananas is saying, am I the only one who thinks the Bucks will be the second best team in the South?
1: Now he said that last time too, and He's I just agree. I, uh, shade, I think. now I like him. Now I like his consistency. I All I right. went on I went on record saying I thought the Bucks were going to be the NFC champions, and then he said they're not even the best team in their division. So he it's which which is funny because you're throwing shade on 43 year old Tom Brady for a 43 year old Drew Brees. So I don't know how that really. Changes things, and but the the Saints have good weapons, and and they're good. I just think Tampa is going to be better. Tampa's
0: got more. All right, so let me ask you this, Muldog. It comes down to it, and you've got to choose. Do you you got you got you got all the all things considered the same team except you got to pick the quarterback. Are you going with Drew Brees? You're going with Tom Brady to lead that team. Right now, forty three year old oh, Drew Brees, not in his prime. Drew Brees, not in his prime. Tom Brady. But it like just like right now with both of them taking Centrum Silver and both of them eating <laughs> weird shit to still stay on the field, which one are you picking to lead the team? Oh, I can go first if you're if you need a second. It's it's Tom Brady by an eyelash. I think it's Tom Brady by like five championship rings. Okay. Well. So I mean, I I know that Fair. me and bananas have gone back and forth on this multiple times because I always say that. At the end of the day, the championships are what matters. And, and he's have a different mindset of the complete body of work matters necessarily over the rings. And I've always been one. Yeah, that's cool. You could like, be a Dan Marino and you can have a complete body of work that is like an orchestra. But Dan Marino, we never talk about it. We always talk Joe Montana and Tom Brady as fighting that one-two spot. And it's not just us. I mean, like across the nation, generally, people will fight over – joe montana or tom brady being the top guys dan marino's stats were pretty darn close to all these guys for all the years that he played had a cannon like almost nobody else basically played till he was what in his early 40s yeah so let's take not
1: yeah let's take nothing away from dan marino no. dan, dan dan marino was setting those fantasy football Tecmo Bowl records before anybody else was right sure and dan marino Physically, you want to talk about physically gifted arm, right? He couldn't move around much. No, especially at, towards but, the end
0: when he had all yeah. those, he had all those braces on his legs. He looked like the Terminator when he used to yeah. come out towards yeah. the end. He was like Robocop, man. He was like, yeah. you know. So but the quickest release, the quickest release, yeah, he was And a, an absolute cannon,
1: like you said. He Dan Marino. It looked like he just flicked the ball. Came out so fast, and yeah. it looked like he just flicked it. And before you knew it, it was sixty yards downfield, yeah. and Mark Duper, Mark Clayton was running under it. Yeah. So Dan Marino was as physically gifted arm as you'll ever ever see. Great head but of hair, too. Yeah, great head of hair. He had great that great haircut. He had that, Perfect he haircut. Had that
0: perm. He had that perm when he came out, too. Yeah, and unbelievable. Early on. And, and a good actor. He, he should have won an Oscar for Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Ace Ventura. <laughs> now Dan Marino Dan Marino
1: went to the Super Bowl in his rookie year. Never and again. Never got back
0: no because of the Buffalo that's how Bills. fleeting that is
1: that is how fleeting that is do you he know he went to
0: the Super Bowl in his first year and never got back you know what Bulldog I'm gonna teach you something right now about the Buffalo Bills oh I'm ready nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills <laughs> all right so when Dan Chris, Marino Chris Berman is happy <laughs> yeah man and I got we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Chris Berman here shortly in the podcast but um n- the Dan Marino's team and Don Shula, unfortunately, had that had that New England Patriot-type experience with Marv Levy and Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills. And by the way, guys, just to go back in time, I know a lot of our pioneers may, might be a little bit younger, up until Tom Brady, up until Drew Bledsoe, let's be fair, the New England Patriots were a dumpster fire of a team for decades. They made one Super Bowl and they must have lost by like 50 points to Mike Dicka, right? So, and McMahon. 45 to 10. They were a dumpster fire of a franchise since like the Declaration of Independence was written, okay? And then they took off, which is great. They've had a 15, 20 year run of dominance, which is cool. I don't think that will ever be replicated, to be honest with you, in our lifetime anyway. But uh, but before the New England Patriots, it was a 10-year span, generally, roughly a, a decade, a little bit shorter, of a Buffalo Bills team that was just, should have won some Super Bowls, by the way, but was absolutely destroying and just eating other teams alive for years. And the, and the Miami Dolphins, who had a really good team for a long time, and Don Shula, I don't know if he still is. I probably Belichick is at this point. But Don Shula was the winningest football coach of all time. Still is. Still is. Okay, with the only perfect season under his belt. Uh, yeah, I believe
1: he... Belichick is like 16 or 17 games short. A so couple he's... seasons, Belichick could have it.
0: Yeah, so okay. So the winningest coach of all time couldn't get past Marv Levy and Jim Kelly and Andre Reid and Thurman Thomas and Daryl Talley and Bryce Bryce Pop actually wasn't on that team. But he couldn't get past those guys and Bruce Smith. And it it was just that, that blockage. That blockage is gone now, by the way. We're not now it's a open season. We could see the J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets come up to third place. It could be anything could happen at this point. So the Bucs don't Pete have Metzler. a running Pete, Pete Metzler's. I always liked Pete Metzlars
1: on those Bills team. Yeah. Nice little tight end, you know, yeah. always killed the Giants because yeah. the Giants could never cover the tight end. Thurman uh, Thomas, you forgot about him. Yeah, Did you I, throw him I, in?
0: I, I didn't actually forget about him. I didn't forget about Fumbles. I said that he was the <laughs> running back of the team. So, anyway... <laughs> So, anyway, oh so, yeah, the NFL is expanding. It's going to be really cool. We're going to see a lot of new players this year. We're going to have, we're hopefully going to see a little bit more playoff football. One of your teams who we don't think has a shot now is going to be able to get in. But, you know, that's not the only exciting NFL news to break here in the Plyrock Nation, Muldog. Okay. We have breaking news. Your man, Plyrock, has successfully – updated the rosters for ESPN NFL 2k5 widely considered the greatest football game of all time, which we did play for lag Switch's birthday on Sunday night at midnight. I have successfully been able to update the rosters to 2019 rosters from 2005. And on top of that, I have been able to activate the hard drive mode in ESPN NFL 2k5. So we're going to get full Chris Berman halftime postgame shows, all upscaled in beautiful 1080p, for all the Plyrock Nation. So this is going to be cool. Tomorrow night, Thursday night football, those Buffalo Bills will be taking on one of those teams, and I'm probably going to let the Pioneers vote on it. I'm going to see, I'm going to see if they want to take on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Or maybe they want to take on Peyton Manning in his last like legs, his last breath. Or, or maybe they want us to break the interception record, and we can go with that guy from Tampa Bay who just got traded. What was his name? Jameis Winston, James right? Because I, I only threw seven picks in my game the other night when I played, and then Preacher was like, "Oh, this is like a Jameis Winston game." So, what do you throw thirty in one game? I think it was thirty he, interceptions. He threw thirty interceptions last year, which is just. An an
1: abominable number. I mean, Tom Tom Brady threw eight, I believe, and that was a lot for him. Is this true about the uh, ESPN NFL 2K? I've been been watching the chat, so I could have missed
0: it on an ESPN alert to my phone. So, I mean, this is true.
1: This really happened? You really did that?
0: I've been working on this experiment for about a month now where I've been telling you about this PlayStation 2 emulator I've been working on. And I have been experimenting with it and playing around with games and learning the program and upscaling things into 4K and 1080p to make them look nicer for the stream. And I finally finally figured out how to update the rosters because there is a dedicated community of ESPN NFL 2K5 fans still out there. And they do create these save files and they do create these rosters. They still to this day. So I was able to figure out how to like change the file and get it over. It was just a, it was, it was crazy, but I was able to do it. So, so we're going to be able to play. We're not going to be able to play with 2020 rosters. I still haven't found a 2020 file, but I did get a, I did get a start or end of the year 2018 file. So start of 2019 and maybe some things changed over the summer in 2019 because they change it all the time, like with trades and things like that. But end of the season twenty eighteen file, I was able to get my hands on. So a lot of these players that we're going to play with, most the majority of them, are still in the NFL. So it's going to be cool, man. I'm excited. Plus, I get to see all my highlights of all my beautiful interceptions. And Chris Berman is going to just walk us through it, dude. So That's really, like cool, a man. lot of fun right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. no, it's going to be a good time. So. What else you got on your plate, man, as we move away from the NFL? Give me something, man. Give me something I can argue about. Give me something the chat is going to freak out about. Oh, you want something you can argue about and the chat's going to freak out about? Yeah, give it to us, baby. How do you
1: feel about ranking the 20 greatest matches in the history of WrestleMania?
0: How's that hit you? Oh, yeah, the ply is feeling it. Yeah, we're going to go back to WrestleMania. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Macho Man versus that punk Hulk Hogan when he was talking to Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, I'm ready, Mitch. Let's do it. What is number 20?
1: Number, okay, you want to start 20? We got to start 20,
0: man. We can't go yeah. number one. We can't go number one.
1: Number one was... was... The only one I – oh, not the only one, but I, I knew number one right off the bat. Okay, number 20, WrestleMania's 28-29, The Rock
0: versus John Cena. So they, they're, they're combining the two matches together as the greatest? The 20th greatest. Ooh, well, you know, all right. So let's back up for a second. The second time that John Cena and The Rock fought, it really was not a good match. Uh, the rock actually tore his he he got a hernia in the middle of the match and his intestine was kind of like poking out of his ab muscle a little bit like you could see it kind of bulging uh, so he was hurt I mean the match was okay it was it was a cookie cutter standard Monday night raw match it could have been obviously the the uh, environment was a little different but uh, but the match they fought the year before in Miami if I'm correct they I think it was Miami uh, the Rock's hometown, essentially, The Rock was able to beat John Cena because John Cena got a little too cocky, and this was a really good build-up. It was a build-up for about a year that they did this match. I recall that this was the once-in-a-lifetime match they called it, and then of course there was a rematch next year. So false advertising, mofo's, but it was the that's once. Never happened. Yeah, that's never happened before, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, you know, so it is. It is definitely the first match is great. The second match was not so good. So I'll agree with the first one. They should never, whoever created this list, it sounds like some non-wrestling fans might've put some of this together. The second one was not as good.
1: Okay. That's only word. that's Hellraiser, only the first Hold on, on one, you're
0: getting, Hold yep. on one second, man. Hellraiser. Man, Ply, I just can't rip my news around the head, the new, uh, my head around the news earlier today. Yeah, man, Hellraiser lost a good friend of his today. By the way, guys, so thoughts and prayers go out to uh, comrade, uh, a, a fellow soldier of his, a gentleman he knew in the service, passed away. Hellraiser, a great pioneer. So tonight, when I lay my head down to say my prayers and ask the good Lord to take care of people around here, I'm gonna make sure I ask the Lord to put His hand over Hellraiser and put His hand over the family of that soldier who lost his life today. So. God bless him. Yes, Hellraiser. I, uh, I actually that one that one kind of hurt a little bit, man. I know that was a good friend of yours. So, back to number nineteen, Hell, uh, number, Mitch. Number
1: nineteen, WrestleMania thirteen, submission match, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Special guest referee Ken Shamrock. That's
0: that number nineteen. Yes, it is. It's that Love low it. on the list that one match was the match that more better than any other match and argue with me in the chat and you'll be wrong. Than any other match was the, was the most successful flip of a heel to a baby face and a baby face to a heel that I've ever seen in a match. Bret Hart came in as the baby face. Stone cold was the punk. And by the end of that match, Clearly, those two sides had so clearly flipped and flipped the crowd and flipped their careers. It was never duplicated that well again. The WWE has tried a million times and a million different wrestlers before and after it has never gone down that good because Bret Hart was that good of an in-ring storyteller and Stone Cold was just hitting his prime to become arguably the biggest box office draw in wrestling history that that should be higher than number nineteen
1: well let me read let me read the one little sentence here under it that says uh the submission match is widely recognized as one of the best double turns in wrestling history as the hero villain dynamic between Hart and did Austin i wait Muldug, the start and finish of the match
0: Muldug. did yes. I know this list before you brought it on the air
1: no, you did not. No, I, can honestly, I can honestly say that.
0: Okay, so did I? I didn't read it. I don't even know where this is coming nope. from. Nothing. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you where it was. No. Okay. So I just want to make sure. So I just said it was the greatest flip in history, and clearly, the person who wrote this little sub paragraph for this list was obviously a Play Rock Nation fan and has heard me talk before and knows how I think. So emulating my brilliance to come up with the double turn match. Go ahead. You may continue. That's well, my Stephen funniest A. Smith thing. for the day. <laughs>
1: The funniest, the funniest thing is, you said it was one of the best flips from this, and I'm looking, I'm looking through the thing, and I'm looking for like somebody actually flipping, like coming off the top rope and flipping, or you know, nope. putting somebody in a small package or a suplex
0: or whatever. And you're the like blood that. coming down right. Stone Cold Steve Austin's face when Bret Hart has him in the Sharpshooter, and the blood just coming off his white teeth, as he is doing everything he can not to submit to the Sharpshooter. The rest of WrestleMania 13 is like a dog took a dump in the middle of a kid's playground. Okay, the rest of it sucks. That one All match right. was so compelling and good that that should be higher in the list. All right, number number 18, you're gonna have to
1: educate the mulch a little bit here. Okay. So number 18 is WrestleMania 17, the Dudley Boys. Versus the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian. Yeah, why are point. there why are there three teams here?
0: That was the uh, this is WrestleMania seventeen, so 18. I'm pretty sure this is the tables, ladders, and chairs. <laughs> they're up on ladders. Yeah, sure looks it. This was so the the championship belts were hanging from ladders. This was, I believe, the match where. Um, Edge speared was Ed, someone speared somebody. I think it was Edge oh. off the top of the ladder, and they went like third, like twenty-five feet off the top of the ladder down into the ring. It was one of the craziest spots of all time. Either I'm getting that confused with because these guys fought multiple times, and they did it in all a right. triangle style match. So, We're gonna run into
1: trouble. We're gonna run into trouble here because if you keep predicting, if you keep uh, being so right on and spot on on these, people are gonna think you had the list. Actually, know. in the paragraph, yeah, Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy hanging onto the tag team title belt, suspended over the ring, and Edge jumping off the top of a ladder to spear him. <laughs> not, they use the exact word.
0: Yeah, well, me and Stevie know what's going on here cause we. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that. If you if you if no one's ever seen that, that's c- clearly there's not enough Advil in the world to take care of the aches and pains from that bullshit. So yeah, that that deserves to be what are we at 18? That was only 18. I could see that at 18. It was one of the greatest matches. I think you lose a few I think you lose a point or two uh, generally for tag team matches as opposed to one-on-one matchups just because okay. the one-on-one matchups are generally the main events, the one that tell the most compelling stories most of the time. People want to see that big heavyweight fight to finish off a of WrestleMania.
1: So, well, you're going to have
0: a big problem at the top. You're going to get angry at the top. I'm probably going to get angry at the top. So, because you're going to get angry that. at the top. All right. So, stay Number tuned. Number 17.
1: You're going to get angry. 17. WrestleMania 10 ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship of Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels.
0: Okay. Razor Ramon versus Shawn. This is WrestleMania 10 at Madison Square Garden. yes, at
1: Madison Square Garden.
0: Okay, so this was the first time that they fought, and Shawn Michaels comes into this as the heel. I believe Razor Ramon wins this match. All right, am I right? Is it say who wins this match? I'm just trying to remember which one is which. Uh, uh, Michael. Michaels is the heel coming into this match, because by the summertime, they flip, and Razor's the heel. Ramon...
1: Ramon went on to win the linear title and then walked out of the ladder. Yes, because they each had their own intercontinental.
0: Yes. Okay. So they each Ramon gets hurt. Michaels all of a sudden is the intercontinental champion. Ramon never gives it up. They kind of dub Michaels the champion. They both come in with intercontinental championship belts. They tell a great story. This is the first ladder match, by the way, I believe. This was the first time they really used the ladder too. And Shawn Michaels just, but just about unparalleled in the ring. And Razor Ramon in his prime, before the drinking and everything else got to him a few years later, and he's he was a great wrestler too. But so they they put on a clinic. This this does deserve to be number seventeen. I'm not going to argue with this one.
1: Okay, number sixteen. All right, the the Muldog gets to chime in here. This is his era.
0: WrestleMania
1: three Intercontinental Championship. Ooh, Macho, Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat.
0: All right. All right, this is number 16? 16. Oof. You know what? This should be higher on the list, only because from a technical wrestling standpoint, this is probably one of the clinics of all time that these two guys put on. There was consistently two counts, they, these roll-ups, these... these uh, you know the uh, small packages. This was the this was the match that the small package really became famous, and they've tried to use the small package a little too much since then. George the Animal steal in the corner chasing around Miss Elizabeth, Ricky the Dragon pulling away a huge upset victory over the Macho ply Randy Savage. So this actually should be higher on the list, in my opinion. Okay, each one
1: of these little paragraphs that they write to describe these matches, sure, it has it has a little like blue sentence in there to, you know, click on it. You know, that's the clickbait, the little sentence. Yeah. Here's what the little blue sentence says. This is, I can't believe this play. This is unbelievable. Uh, Savage, uh, Ricky's the Savage Steamboat was widely, has become widely considered, you know, or this, this match, sorry, Savage Steamboat has become widely considered one of the greatest technical masterpieces in professional wrestling history, I'm not reading this list, Dude, bro. They're not going to believe it. The the I'm telling you, pioneers. I swear to you, I'm not. This, we're not on the take here. This no. is happening. I am reading Listen. this list, Listen. and he is coming
0: up with stuff. This, this is unreal. Yeah. So it was definitely a technical clinic. It it actually, and I know we're gonna run into. I know we're gonna run into problems with actual parking spaces at the top, but this would deserve to be. This is a top ten match, to me. Okay. So go ahead. All right. 15. Okay. WrestleMania
1: 12 Iron Man match for the WWF champion Bret Hart Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Michaels. We've heard this
0: before. Yeah. Overtime one, nothing victory for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I know who won. That was at WrestleMania 12. This was when a lot of wrestlers were no longer, the WWF was in trouble at this time. So the roster kind of stunk and they knew they had to do something special to pull something off. So they didn't really have enough entertainment to go three hours with a bunch of different matches. So I believe at the time, and I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure Rowdy Roddy Piper was involved in this one way or another as a commissioner or whatever, and I know Gorilla Monsoon is involved in this too shortly before he dies. They do an Iron Man match. An Iron Man match is... 60-minute time limit. Each fall counts as a point. Whoever's got the most points at the end of 60 minutes is declared the winner. However, Bret Hart was about to win at the end of regulation. The score was 0-0. Technical match, like, unbelievable technical match. Great, great storytelling. These guys had conditioning beyond conditioning. I believe Shawn Michaels also had Jose Laverio in his corner as his trainer. Uh, who was like uh, the guy who had raised him in that Texas catch can style wrestling back when his career was starting down there in Texas. And uh, Bret Hart ended up almost beating him. There was a little bit of controversy at the end when the clock runs out and they separate them. And then they restart the match into sudden death overtime. Few minutes into that, Shawn Michaels, super kick, one, two, three, boyhood dreams come true. Great match. Kind of deserves where it. it needs to be, only because they they kind of had to force-feed an hour match because they didn't have three hours of matches that year. Okay, fair enough. Only, well, and right. by the way, those two guys hated each other in real life, real life. when they yeah. did that match. They hated each other for decades after that, years after that.
1: I think we're going to get to some more of that. Okay. okay, here's another one. This is combining. This is another one of these. They're combining two of them, okay? I hate this shit. Go ahead. Number 14. Wrestlemania 25 Uh, and 26. Michael's an undertaker.
0: The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Unbelievable. Okay, Wrestlemania 25. The match at 25 was better than the match at 26, but not by much. So I'm going to allow this combo match this one time in this list before I get pissed. WrestleMania 25 was – and by the way, 26 is Shawn Michaels' quote-unquote retirement. He says, if I can't beat you at WrestleMania, I'm done. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, WrestleMania 25 if legitimately was the first time that the crowd and I, and it's hard to trick I, the ply, thought Undertaker was going to lose. Because up to this point, Undertaker's undefeated at WrestleMania. He's coming into this match 16 and 0, 17 and 0, something like that. I have to go back and look. I'm going off a of memory off this list. You you have it in front of you. And they put on they the, the story they told in 25 was so unbelievable that the crowd was just in awe. Like it, unfortunately what came after that match, which I think, oh gosh, 25. The main event, that wasn't the main event, Moldog. This was like it, does, it doesn't necessarily say it's the main event. It was it not just, the main event that night.
1: The crowd the best
0: matches. The crowd was the, the crowd was dead for the rest of the night.
1: They were exhausted. So what, what jumps out on this one, yeah. for me, mm-hmm. is you probably know, but I'll throw I'll throw this one to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How old? Give me the respective ages of
0: those two in this match. Oh gosh, they're both in their forties. Maybe Undertaker's higher forties too. So Undertaker's Shocking. close to 50. Forty three.
1: Yeah. Shawn Michaels forty three and the Undertaker was forty-four. That is okay. crazy to me yeah. for what they're doing in yeah. there to be that age.
0: Yes, no, they were these guys had Ric Flair's DNA in their body. Like I, as much as oh. I don't as much as I despise The Undertaker, don't like The Undertaker, don't like that he ripped up my poster when I was a little kid, don't like any of that. I do have to respect the fact that like a six foot eight man was able to do this well into his fifties and do it convincingly until about WrestleMania thirty one. His career is over at that point, like well, shooting, over. He
1: forty nine at the point or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah he was crazy. he was done at that point. But and the injuries had caught up to him and everything else. So he was such a hard worker and respected in the locker room. Those matches That's- deserve to be there. Where are we at sixteen?
1: No, we're up to 13. We're going back to, we're going, okay. oh, man, we're, we're combining all sorts of stuff in this one. Okay. WrestleMania 1. Wait. Hulk.
0: Oh, Hulk and yeah. T. Okay. Yeah, Hulk and
1: T versus Piper and Mr. Wonderful, Paul
0: Orndorff. Now, Muhammad Ali is a special guest referee on the outside, if I remember correctly. That's number one. Number two, uh, the drunken uh, New York Yankees, manager is the special guest ring announcer for this one what was billy his name? martin is the guest ring announcer that's yeah, right that billy martin who was just drunk all the time so he's there are you, are you really going to give me the guest timekeeper too are you going to get that right the guest timekeeper. yeah there was uh, a guest timekeeper guest timekeeper was it, it wasn't cindy lopper um who's no but guy? you're
1: not too far
0: off it was liberace liberace it was liberace right am i wrong yes Guest timekeeper, Liberace. Okay, yeah, it was Liberace. Okay. This match is only on the list because of the history. This was not really a great match. Uh, it was not an awful match, but this was your standard cookie-cutter, uh, early WWF house show kind of match. It did not mm-hmm. have a decisive winner. It had kind of a, a DQ ending, I believe, if I recall, because I think missed, I think Cowboy Bob Orton ended up hitting... Someone with his uh Jimmy Snuka was in there too, by the way. It, I think he ended up hitting somebody with his fake broken arm, and I think that is what caused sure. the match to it end. It had kind of a, a DQ right? ending, I, I believe. It doesn't, it
1: doesn't get into that. It, it's a very short. It doesn't give you much on this one. It just says the first WrestleMania MSG, and you know these guys and the guest referees and whatnot. It doesn't really get into the match.
0: Okay, so. Yeah, okay, so I just described the match So you're just going to have to believe me on that one But it did not end as a, it ended on a DQ It's only there for historical references It's cute, it's fun Mr. T can't wrestle worth a shit, especially at this point He's there because of Rocky III Hulk Hogan's blowing up because of Rocky Three. He's Thunderlips uh, yep. It obviously creates the empire that Vince McMahon has until this day uh, He puts all his chips, all his money, everything he's got Mortgages his house on WrestleMania It's there for history
1: all right, fair enough. Number 12. You ready? Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 30, WWE Championship, Randy Orton versus Batista versus O'Brien.
0: Ugh. This is on the list because of Daniel Bryan winning and going. I don't like Daniel Bryan. I don't like the whole yes movement thing. I never liked any of that. I wanted Batista and Randy Orton to tear them apart. This... Batista's past his prime in this match. Batista's mad at WWE management in this match. He's leaving anyway to go try to pretend to be the Rock in Hollywood. He's, he's, he's the one who gets the pin. They protect Randy Orton. Great moment for the crowd. They were happy. Even better moment after the match, there was this kid named Connor who it was his uh, make-a-wish to meet Daniel Bryan. And he was able to be front row... To this particular match, and he was able. To, Daniel Bryan went over to him after the match, hugging, crying, hanging out with Connor. And shortly thereafter, Connor died. He succumbed to his cancer as a little kid. So the WWE created Connor's Wish Foundation, where they've helped a lot of kids since then. So in that respect, it was such a big moment. It's a moment. It's not a match. It's it's a it's a crowning of a moment. Of a B plus wrestler that the WWE really didn't believe in, that the crowd wouldn't let WWE ignore, who eventually became champion, and they had no choice but to make him champion, or the crowd would have rioted and burned shit down. Like this is over the course of like two years, by the way, of 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 the of the fans harassing WWE management, so they ended up turning it into a storyline. And running with it with the authority versus Daniel Bryan. So this is more of a moment than a match. As a moment, one of the greatest moments in WrestleMania history, I'm sure we're gonna to get to a few more. As a match, take it or leave it. Connor's cure, uh, yes, Stevie. You, thank you. It was called Connor's Cure. This, gear. this was- is
1: crazy. This is crazy, Ply. You are you are crazy. <laughs>
0: Why am he, I crazy? <laughs> yeah,
1: you are crazy. He was the perfect underdog to be positioned opposite the mono. Authority and the McMahon family, and each slight along the way, built up his WrestleMania 30 moment to an unbelievable degree. Later, in yet another great promo package produced for Brian.
0: Yeah. Exactly
1: what you said. Great moment. It's a moment. Not necessarily a great match. The miracle on Bourbon Street.
0: Yes. Yes. And it was. And it was. It was incredible moment at the end of WrestleMania. It is not. It was. It will not go down. It's not Randy Orton. Excuse me. It's not Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Macho Man in terms of actual in-ring action. Because triple threat matches are actually very hard to pull off as well. Uh, they can get muddy a lot really fast because you always got that one oddball who's got to somehow be positioned to be hurt, lying in the corner or outside or laying down or ignoring what's happening or or breaking up a count or whatever. So very hard to pull off a successful. And I I doubt this other match is on the list, but if it is, you can tell me, because there's a better triple threat match that ends a WrestleMania. It's actually WrestleMania 20, and it's Chris Benoit versus, I want to say Shawn Michaels, and I forgot who the third person was. I I think it might have been Triple H, but I'm not 100% sure. And Chris Benoit wins the WWE, excuse me, the Universal title, Eddie Guerrero actually had the WWE championship at this time. And that's a way better triple threat match than the one we're talking about now. Just Chris Benoit actually happened to go on and murder his family shortly thereafter.
1: So that's maybe w- why I'm not on the list. <laughs> Spoiler alert,
0: he's yeah. not on the list. So WWE really doesn't talk about Chris Benoit anymore, like he's kinda like whitewashed. And, you know, that's debatable why he murdered his family. There's there's sports injuries that people argue about with the whole NFL thing. These wrestlers get these type of uh, head knocks, too, and they don't wear helmets like the the NFL players do. And so, but that was a better actual for just going off the match itself. And that's a better triple threat match than Daniel Bryan versus Randy. And Stevie is confirming. And he's saying, (laughs) how dare you apply? You're not allowed to say his name. I can say whatever name I (laughs) want. It's our show. <laughs> I can say his name, Stevie, but Chris Benoit—that match is better. But so I do get it why it's not on the list. It's kind of a little revisionist history, if you're just being honest, because otherwise you got to take away Ray Lewis's Baltimore uh, Super Bowl victory. <laughs> um, I'm sure you got to take away uh, Joe Namath's post-game interview with uh, Susie Culbert and some other yeah. things that some people have done. That's a little bit uh, off the beaten path, but. Maybe, uh, maybe the Heisman Trophy from OJ Simpson. Yeah, but, the Heisman uh, Trophy could go away from OJ, although uh, the glove didn't fit. So anyway, but, right. but yeah. eleven. Yeah, you want to go to eleven? I'll go WrestleMania. You want. WrestleMania Five, okay, WWF Championship. Oh, this is Hogan and Macho. Hogan Macho. The Mega Powers Fantastic. explode. Trump Plaza, Atlantic City. Oh yeah, man. This this it's crazy. Macho Man was always a far superior in-ring wrestler to Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and Macho were both pretty neck and neck in terms of showmanship, though. And Hogan could showmanship himself through a match. This was one of the best buildups of story to an actual match. And to be fair, looking back on it, looking back on it now, Macho Man really wasn't wrong when he was pissed that Hogan was kind of batting his eyes a little too much at Miss Elizabeth. It like does you, uh, allude to that. Yes. If you go back now, Macho's like, bro, you're supposed to be my best friend. You know, that's my girl. Like stop hitting on her. You know what I mean? So it is, uh, it is definitely, it is definitely like, eh, I don't know, you know? So, but great, good match, but just great, great moment there. H- Hogan just, you know, taking back the belt, doing what he does. It is what it is. It belongs on the list, though. Mega powers explode. To this day, everybody still loves it. Okay. Okay. yeah, Yeah.
1: Number 10. All right. Now we're getting into the top 10. Drum roll. WrestleMania 17. No disqualification match for the WWF championship. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. Number 10? That's number 10. All, right, first of all, you're not smelling what The Rock is cooking here.
0: First of all, let's get this out of the way right now. White, WrestleMania 17 is widely considered the greatest WrestleMania of all time. So let's just get that out of the way. Because top to bottom, pretty much all the matches are fantastic. This match belongs in the top 10. I don't know if it belongs to be that low on the top 10, because these two were just vicious with each other during this match. Stone Cold Steve Austin was. I have to win the championship belt at all costs. The build up was, you know, The Rock was the People's Champion, and Stone Cold would do whatever it took to get the championship back, and he was desperate to have the championship. And Limp Biscuit had done the promo with my way, and it was just great build up. Great. uh, I believe this was in Texas too. I think this was at the. uh, Was this at the Astrodome? uh, Did it tell you where it was?
1: And no, it doesn't. It does mention Limp Biscuit though, which I'm just shaking my head that you have all these details down. It, it was, <sighs> you know, It's absolutely hilarious. Stevie's,
0: Stevie's like, it's the match that broke my heart. The one problem with this match, and there's one problem with this match, is that the match was so fantastic, but this match took place close to Stone Cold Steve Austin's hometown. So no matter what Stone Cold Steve Austin did, the crowd was not going to boo him. He could have came out and like shot the rock and they would have cheered at this point all right because he was just he was in his hometown like it was like and stone cold was known for being that son of a bitch he would do and they loved him for it he was always like a a, he was never really a true heel or a true baby face he always kind of was in that middle he was that first tweener you know right in the middle you know but the problem was they did this weird wacky double turn at the end where Vince McMahon, who Stone Cold Steve Austin had been at war with for two years. McMahon versus Austin, just a huge rivalry that took the business to just all new heights, dude. Like insane amounts of money rolling in. Basically put WCW out of business by this point. And then Vince McMahon helps him win the championship by giving him the chair to hit the rock. And the crowd was kind of like, uh, okay, and they cheered. So it really didn't work to turn Stone Cold into a heel. It was kind of like this weird muddled ending where they should have just let Stone Cold maybe beat him clean, or they should have let The Rock beat Stone Cold clean, which they'll still to this day argue The Rock should have won that match. But, you know, I get it. So, yes, it deserves to be top ten, just because if you you haven't seen it, you need to go back and watch that shit, because they're off the chain right there. And I think The Rock, too is going to to Hollywood at this point. So he is going to give up the belt. So I think he's going to make the mummy re, um the scorpion king or the mummy returns. He's doing one of those at this time. He's starting to branch out into Hollywood too. So I understand why they wanted to give the belt back to stone cold Steve Austin. Stevie, this is all right before the Rock went and filmed Mummy Returns. Okay, so there it is. <laughs> yeah,
1: 2001 was this was this um uh, match. Yeah. Unbelievable match, dude. Okay.
0: Yep. All yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Number nine, WrestleMania 28, Hell in a Cell. The Undertaker versus Triple H. Special guest referee, Shawn Michaels.
0: Undertaker, Triple H, end of an error match. Is this the end of an error match? Does it say it in the paragraph? Uh-huh.
1: The, the bout was billed the end of an era, a clash between okay. two of the most exceptional consistent talents in WWE. History. So
0: this was this was the match that ended the attitude era, quote-unquote. So this was the one, you were going to get the chairs, you were going to get the blood, you were going to get the barbed wire, you were going to get the thumbtacks, you were going to get all the things that made the attitude era different and more violent and special, while they were transitioning into the TV PG, Linda McMahon's running for Senate era that they transitioned into. So before they transition into the John Cena PG era, they gave everybody like that one final end of an era match between the Undertaker and uh, and Triple H with with Shawn Michaels screwing it up at the end and giving Undertaker the win. Undertaker by this at this point, by the way, guys is still undefeated, so he's probably twenty six or or. I think he's 20 21 and 1. He's probably 18 or 19 and 0 at this point. At WrestleMania. 20 and 0. 20 and 0, okay. He doesn't he ends up losing up which I'm pro. I hope this match is not on the list, but I don't want to know, so don't tell me. But uh it's it's a it, dude it's a violent match, bro. Like these guys are like pulling out all the stops, like they beat the living shit out of each other. And it was great. And I don't know if it deserves to be top 10, but I do know it deserves to be on the list. And it was, at the end, it was kind of weird seeing, like, two bloody guys basically, like, hug each other, too. And then the three guys hold their arms up. Like, that's it. It's over. We're we're done with that whole attitude thing. So the ending was a little, uh, they broke kayfabe or whatever they call it to kind of, like, to kind of thank the crowd, too. Like, I don't know. I, it It deserves to be on there, but I don't know about top 10. Okay. Oh, Cole, right. what's going on, man? Welcome in, dude. Yeah, that match was kind of lackluster. That's what I was trying to say. It's it's a good match, dude, but I don't know if it deserves to be top 10. Like top ten's reserved for like certain shit that I want to say that I knows on this list, but I don't want to say it till you say it. And if you give okay. me if you give me the WrestleMania, I'll probably tell you the match as we go.
1: Okay, okay. let's I, I like this game. You've been right so far every other time.
0: Yeah. All right,
1: number 8, WrestleMania 18.
0: WrestleMania 18. Oh, all right. WrestleMania 18. The main event is Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship at Safeco Field in Seattle, I believe. This is this is not a
1: championship match.
0: Okay, so it's not a championship match. So we're gonna go down the card a little bit. It's definitely not one of the one of the ash draggers that Vince McMahon fought in. Cause he ended up fighting Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart and these guys, and the, but those were more like just beat up Vince McMahon type moments. So WrestleMania 18's got to be a tag match. Is it, it a is tag not match? a
1: tag match? It is not a tag oh,
0: match. Oh man! So so it's gonna be. What number is this? Eight? It's Rock Hogan. Eighteen. It's Rock 18. Hogan. It's Rock. Hollywood Hogan. Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. Yes. Okay. It's a. Uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah, because Hogan had come back from WCW and he was still the leader of the NWO, but the crowd was so. This was in Toronto, actually. My bad. Nineteen was Kurt Angle versus Lesnar, so I apologize, guys. This was the first internet. This was the second international WrestleMania, besides WrestleMania six, which I'm sure is on this list, bro. So this this match right here, Hogan was kind of so far out of his prime, but he was so the crowd was so in love with him in Toronto, they turned him into a baby face in the middle of the match. The Rock was like, bro, let's just go with it. I'll go heel right now. You go baby face right now. Hulk up. Drop the leg. Do everything, dude. Power up everything. This this was the most insane crowd for a match I've ever seen. Okay. Well, that's pretty high praise. Yeah, no, this Our- the crowd made this match, dude. The crowd made this match. And The Rock's brilliance to say, right in the middle of the match, he whispers to Hogan, let's flip right now. Like, it was insane. The crowd forced them to switch roles. The crowd did it, dude. And then from wow. there, Hogan's a babyface goes on to win the championship one more time against Triple H at the next pay-per-view backlash. Okay, go ahead. Number seven, WrestleMania 30. WrestleMania 30. So we're back to the 30 card, huh? Oh. WrestleMania 30. why isn't Shawn Michaels and Rick Shawn Michaels and Rick Flair's not on this list? We're getting close. Um WrestleMania thirty. I hated WrestleMania thirty because Daniel Bryan won. Um Undertaker is Undertaker? Yes. So it's Undertaker and Lesnar. Yes. Ugh, that match stunk. It's just the first time Undertaker loses, and the crowd was so shocked they were like crying and peeing their pants. Undertaker had two concussions in the middle of this match, had to go to the hospital right afterwards because Brock dropped him on his head by accident, like for real, like really bad. So Brock oh. kind of had to like carry him through the whole match, and Undertaker was like dizzy, like he got punched by Ivan Drago in the face. And But when Brock Lesnar beats him with that third or whatever F5, there are pictures of the crowd that these people are literally like bug-eyed. Like nobody believed it would actually happen because this dude was like 21 and oh and then Brock Lesnar became the 21 and 1. He would always describe himself as so that's a moment, not a match. I guess it deserves it cuz Undertaker had been undefeated for so long, but that's that match sucked. <laughs> Stevie, my friend cried. <laughs> okay. I I didn't I was actually happy cuz I hated the Undertaker. But yes, that's a moment.
1: Oh, all right. We're gonna to have to spend a, a couple minutes on this one because yeah. I saw I saw something the other day, so I have a question. Sure. Um, but uh, number six is WrestleMania thirty-five.
0: Number six is thirty. Last year's WrestleMania. Okay. Well, we're on pre we're on pre-taped empty pre-taped empty stadium thirty-six. Yep. So it's thirty-five. So that's last year i don't last year what there was a greatest match of all time last year apparently number six of all time is it a singles match no no it's a tag match okay you're gonna have to tell me this one man because i didn't, either huh it's not a tag match either I, I don't quite understand it's not a tag match either all right what is it you're gonna have to give this one to me you're gonna have to tell me all one right. of the wrestlers ronda rousey that kind of gives it away no oh it's the triple it's the uh the where rousey wins her championship she actually ronda rousey actually did an unbelievable no who was it who was it ronda rousey versus charlotte
1: flair versus becky lynch
0: yes ronda ronda becky and no, Becky Charlotte. wins. Becky wins. Becky wins her championships. She's the man. Uh, this shouldn't be on the list. They did a great job, but this shouldn't be a top... F- what are we at? Six? Six. Oh, I don't know about that. I Dude, good match. Great match, but I think this is not... We're getting close to, like, heavenly air here at number six. <laughs> like... Ronda th- Ronda's a dominant champion now for a year and she ends up losing Becky Lynch I think gives Becky Lynch pins Charlotte I believe to win cuz anybody can pin anybody and win kind of okay. thing It was good I mean I don't I wasn't like wow it was like the end of a story so Becky Lynch was like the man she called herself the man and this was like her pinnacle and then she wins the belt, and then she kind of fades down because it was kind of over at that point. She's still really good, but she kind of was hitting that Stone Cold Steve Austin-type trajectory with what she was doing. And then after this match, she's kind of been like, yeah, she's the champ, but, you know, the crowd's not as into her as they were last year. So I don't know. This is a moment, not a match.
1: All right, here's my question. Mm -hmm. I I actually saw Becky Lynch, I watched an interview the other day on, uh, I believe it was on FAN, I think it was Boomer and Geo's show on FAN, and it was an interview with Becky Lynch, Yeah, and it seemed, because she was saying it, that there is a legitimate vitriol between her, Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte. She doesn't like either of them, she really hates Ronda Rousey. Uh, She hates Charlotte a little bit less, but she kind of went into it. Is that a legitimate feud or is that a storyline?
0: Why don't we ask the chat? Stevie will tell you. Stevie, Stevie, you answer that question. Stevie hates Charlotte, by the way, so he's gonna. But don't just base it off your hatred of Charlotte, Stevie. Does Becky really not like Charlotte? I I can see Rhonda being easy not to like. Personally, she's got kind of a tough personality.
1: Well, her Becky, Becky Lynch's whole thing or part of her thing in this interview was when Ronda Rousey uh, came into the WWE WWF. uh, She kind of strutted around like, you know, she expected everything to be given to her and she hadn't paid. hadn't paid her dues.
0: Yeah. And that
1: was kind of where Becky Lynch was coming from.
0: That's a tough one to call because they might be setting up Ronda coming back because she's been gone for a while. So to have Becky talk a little shit in an interview kind of sets up ronda with an easy beef to come back into the wwe with like i heard the way you were talking about me i'm back bitch like you know what i mean like so that might be where they're going with it Um, uh that's why
1: i posed it as a question because i didn't know if it was legitimate or if it was promo
0: when jeff hardy won the heavyweight championship armageddon is the best match ever uh well that was a good match call but he should have stayed off the methamphetamines he would have been champion longer we <laughs> wish he would have just stayed clean. Jeff Hardy was on his way to being the next Shawn Michaels, but he just couldn't keep his nose clean. <laughs> Jessica's here. What's going on? I can't stand Rousey. Yeah, Rousey's an easy one not to like. Do you know what I mean? Like she. By the way, to be fair to Ronda Rousey, she came into the WWE and like she picked up the craft pretty fast. Obviously, because of her background, too, didn't hurt. She picked it up pretty fast. She picked it up just about as fast as Kurt Angle did when he came out of the Olympics and he won the Olympic gold medal by the way with a broken freaking neck. It's true. It's true. And he he Ronda was pretty close to learning as at a fast pace like Kurt Angle did and she was becoming a very good technical wrestler and telling a very good story in the ring. The the problem they did with Ronda is they really didn't allow her to be the baddest woman on a planet. They kind of started to turn her into, like, a baby face. Like, she should have been, like, a wrecking machine, talking shit. When she scowled, she was awesome. When she did a promo, she sucked. Like, just have her... She doesn't have to say shit. Like, just... All she had to do was look at somebody. Like, I'm going to rip out your ovaries and put them in your ears, bro. Like, that look. Do you know what I'm saying? And they just (laughs) didn't... They didn't really allow her to do that. They started having her cut promos and she was trying to talk shit and she couldn't remember to talk shit it was like written on her hand or whatever she was doing. So, this is a this is another moment, not a match. Like good match, good wrestlers, it was fun. Should not be top 10. I could argue top 20. Should not be top 10. I would put Charlotte and Asuka and in their championship match above this one. Next
1: Okay. All right. Now, now are we? Now we are in the rarefied air.
0: Okay. okay. This is top five.
1: Number five. Yep. WrestleMania thirty-one.
0: WrestleMania thirty-one. Okay. All right. WrestleMania thirty-one is the year after Daniel Bryan. They're. I don't know if they're pushing Roman Reigns yet. This is Reigns. Is this Reigns and Lesnar where Seth Rollins shocks everybody and comes down with the briefcase?
1: Yes, it is.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a good match. First of all, Roman. Everybody expected Roman Reigns to win this match. Roman Reigns is getting booed out of every building on the planet. Nobody likes the fact that they're forcing Roman Reigns down their throat. It's like Vince McMahon's little boy, and like he wants Roman Reigns to be the next John Cena, and he does not care. And, and that's unfair to Roman Reigns, by the way, because he is actually a very good wrestler and he's a very good promo guy. But Vince just kind of got the hooks in him and started writing all his promos and started controlling everything that he did. And the crowd was like, we do not want a corporate champion. Like, we don't want a force-fed champion. We want to pick the champion. We're the customer. Sometimes that happens with fans. So everybody expected Brock to drop the belt to Roman Reigns, but they just didn't know what to do because they knew this crowd would take just a violent shit on what they did in the ring. It would just be awful for Roman Reigns. He got booed out of the building when he won the Royal Rumble that year. The Rock came out and tried to save him at the end, and they booed The Rock, too. That's how much they hated Roman Reigns at that point because The Rock is related to Roman Reigns, by the way. Just so you know, they're in the same family. So... This, this they pulled the most beautiful, one of the most surprising, but we all should have seen it coming moments in history with Seth Rollins and his Money in the Bank briefcase. And when he runs down at the end and cashes it in, that crowd went apeshit. And it was a great moment on top of a great match that Roman Reigns just, I felt so bad for him. He got beat up so bad for like 20 minutes against Brock. Brock decimated this dude. Blood all over him. Just, he just killed him. And then here comes Seth Rollins to steal the victory, dude. It was perfect. Any match okay. with Steve and Mel will always be my number one match. <laughs> really? The Green Arrow? Rebby just asked, did you say ovaries in your ear? I did say ovaries in my ear. That was a line. You can quote me on that. Boy, wouldn't I love to get torn apart. Go ahead.
1: It is dubbed as one of the best swerves yeah. quote, in WrestleMania history. Yes. So there you go. You're right. on on again. Number four, WrestleMania 24.
0: WrestleMania number four, WrestleMania 24. Oh my gosh. Um, so this is before Shawn Michaels and undertaker. So I've got to go back a little bit. Uh, you're gonna have to give me the one of the wrestlers. I don't.
1: You've you've already mentioned one of them earlier, saying this match better be in the top ten.
0: I said this match what? better be in the top ten.
1: Well, you said this guy's you you named the participants in the match in a previous talking about another match.
0: So this if is that's a, if that's WrestleMania 24 is gotta be so. Cena wins the... This is a John Cena match. It's got to be at WrestleMania 24. Is it a John Cena it match? It is
1: not a John Cena match.
0: All right, so it's not Cena and Michaels. They're 23, by the way. Cena and Michaels headline 23. You got one of them. So it's Michaels. Michaels fight, fights at 24. Who the hell does he fight? He f- Oh, it's Ric Flair. He retires Rick Ric Flair. Flair. Okay. So and we if don't Flair loses, he must retire. <laughs> Yes, this was, the, this was the one true time in professional wrestling history that I cried like an absolute baby. <laughs> Ric Flair, at the end of this match, spoiler alert, they put on a clinic. Ric Flair is well above prime age at this point. Still a he's fan- 59 yeah. at this point. 59. Bro, he puts on a clinic for 59 years old, okay? He's sagging a little bit, but he ain't showing it in the way he's moving, okay? Okay. At the very end, the end of the match is coming, and Rick and Shawn know it's coming. And Rick starts to cry. And Shawn Michaels is in the corner. And everybody in the chat is gonna cry with me right now. And Shawn Michaels looks at him and he says, I love you, I'm sorry. Those are his exact words that come I'm getting chills right now, bro, just thinking about it. And he 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 super kicks Rick Flair in the face and pins him one, two, three. He actually says to him, I love you. I'm sorry, and he and it boots. Says, it this is after that right in the paragraph. This is right that. after Ric Flair has gotten up about ten times, saying "Come on, come on." And he's bleeding. He's all beat up, and they're playing that whole "I'm good. You're gonna have to kill me to beat me" kind of thing. And uh, and then Shawn Michaels pins him, whispers in his ear, and rolls out of the ring. And then there's like a standing ovation for Ric Flair, like you wouldn't believe and Ric Flair just crying like an absolute baby we're all crying like an absolute baby just arguably the greatest professional wrestler and showman of all time nobody has been jet flying like this guy you know and that was for Sean that must have been hard for Sean too because he's the one who's got to put him away he's the one who's got to shoot old yeller and it was an unbelievable match it was an unbelievable moment it deserves to be top five hands down just because I, I no other match has really ever brought me to tears like that I was legitimately moved and legitim- like, like legitimately crying with emotion of just so happy for Rick so proud of Rick so sad for Rick that his journey was over little did we know it wasn't quite over but just I'm talking about that particular snapshot in time that deserves to be top 5
1: Okay, and it is. It's number f- number three. What WrestleMania? Wrestle- WrestleMania 6. Oh, Hogan Warrior, bro. Hogan versus the Intercontinental
0: Listen. Champion, the Ultimate Warrior. Listen, this is in Toronto. 70,000 people. Edges in the crowd, by the way, as a kid before he becomes a Hall of Fame wrestler. This was the very first real Hogan trying to pass the torch to somebody to take it on now hogan's moving on to hollywood right around this point he's going to make such trashy awful movies like suburban commando or mr nanny so he's trying to do that rock thing before rock did that rock thing okay thunder in paradise with carl weathers that terrible tv show with that stupid military boat all right so before he does all that trash that garbage and before he moves on to wcw and reinvigorates his career he does still. Ha- he does try to hand off the torch to the Ultimate Warrior, who at the time, there was nobody with more charisma. The Ultimate Warrior could have a seven-second match. This is Ultimate Warrior's matches. I went like this, Muldug. And I don't know if you remember the Warrior. Oh, this absolutely. Stuff. So the Ultimate Warrior would run down to the ring, beat your ass in about four. Well, first of all, he would shake the ropes. He'd shake the ropes. He's out of breath when he shakes the ropes at this point. He's all blown up. They call it blown up in the wrestling industry. When you're tired, you're blown up, okay? He'd shake the ropes. He's blown up. He'd punch you in the face. He'd gorilla press you. He'd pin you. He'd run back to the locker room. People went ape shit. Like, that was the greatest moment in kids' lives, dude. Nobody brought the intensity of the Ultimate Warrior. Like, I couldn't imagine the level of, like, I would not want to be in the house with him when he was taking his shit in the bathroom. Like this dude was intense at everything he did. He had veins popping out of his body. Everything was going down with the Warrior, and they put on a clinic together. This was actually a really good, decent 20, 25 minute match, and to see the crowd was the crowd, The crowd, by the way, was half Hogan, half Warrior. This shit was split. This was not a. This was the first baby face versus baby face WrestleMania main event. This went against everything Vince McMahon actually believed in. He always wanted that bad guy versus good guy kind of dynamic. And when Hogan suggested it to him, like, you know, warriors, you know, we could do a baby face versus babyface type thing, and they told a brilliant story. From Royal Rumble, from 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 Survivor Series on, where they were like this tag team and they were kicking ass together, and then they accidentally hit each other, and they they, they like the whole thing was brilliant, dude. And then to, and then for Hogan to show the ultimate sportsmanship at the end, which is also one of the great moments, and hug the Ultimate Warrior, and give him the belt, because everybody didn't know is Hogan gonna punch him in the face, and he hands him the belt and he hugs him. He says, "It's all yours, brother." And he raises his hand and he walks out. And then the warrior has his moment. Unbelievable, dude. on Unbe- Yes, Cole was Cole. Yes, Edge was in the crowd for WrestleMania Seven. WrestleMania Six. Google it. Just Google it. I'm always right. Yes, it deserves to be number three. And go ahead with number two. And I bet okay, you. Okay. So I I gotta go. All right. So you, you can comment know on these, by the way. Well, yeah, we know
1: that you don't have this article in front of you. We know we've determined that. So my question now becomes: Are you the one who was interviewed for this article? Is that <laughs> is that why everything you say is like in their little paragraph here? It is uncanny. No. From the from the arena to the fans to the storyline to the attendance to the whatever happened at the end and and the picture the picture they show for this one is Hogan. Raising Warrior's arm, and Warrior is holding the belt.
0: Yes. It was just a moment, bro. I mean, listen, if Video Galaxy doesn't exist in 1990, 1991, I don't watch these WrestleManias over and over and over again. Because when I was a kid, my father used to take me to the video store on the weekends, and I could rent anything I wanted, and I always would just re-rent Coliseum Home Video WrestleMania (laughs) tapes. And I would watch WrestleManias over and over and over again. So I have them memorized, especially the older ones. Like when you get to like, even though I've seen them all. So when you get to like WrestleMania, you're like, WrestleMania 33, what was this? Uh, I got to kind of dig in there a little farther than I normally would. But when you talk, now you're in top five territory. This shit is on. It's number three. So I already know where you're going for number two and number one. So go ahead. Well,
1: Number one, I predicted before I started reading
0: it, but... Yeah. Number two is WrestleMania 14. Oh, that's Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels with uh, Mike Tyson as a special guest referee. He's the ringside is, enforcer in Boston. Sorry, it's in Boston. That, that is
1: exactly. Is
0: this the one Pete, Pete Rose, Rose is in? Yes, this is the one where I thought Pete Rose was just got his ass kicked <laughs> by Kane. So, yes. Yeah, no, this was the beginning of the end of WCW. This was the real, like, shooting star of Stone Cold Steve Austin being coronated. As the champ, this was the beginning of the Attitude Era. This was the anything goes, just middle fingers, scantily clad women, jello matches, blood, steel chairs, hell in a cell, just everything that was coming for the next. This was in 1997, I believe. So, so this is the next like four years of my life, and this is right in my high school wheelhouse. So this is probably one of the greatest moments of my life because these di- the wrestling from 97 to 2001 was just stupid ridiculous. Gates were being broken all over the place where tickets being sold. Everybody had an Austin 316 shirt, which that was dubbed at King of the Ring a year earlier. But that when Austin says, everybody knows John 316, but not everybody knows Austin 316, says I'm going to whoop your ass. So that was, that was where that comes from. But at this point, everybody has the shirt. This is this begins Austin versus McMahon. We can do things the easy way or the hard way. This is a moment. This is a match. This is Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, knocking out Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels going away for back surgery at this point. This was the build-up was insane. Boston Harbor the day before, the workout, the public workout. The, this ends up on ESPN Sports Center for the first time. This is Tyson fighting with Stone Cold in the ring a week before on Monday Night Raw. There's just nothing like this particular match in this build-up in this moment because this is where everybody wasn't sure if wrestling was real again, if it was fake. Was Tyson really pissed Did he punched this guy? Is Austin really going to kill Michaels? Michaels talking shit coming up. This, this is, this is my teenage years at their finest. I wish somebody uh- was obsessed with me the way Ply is obsessed with WrestleMania. <laughs> Well, I was gonna I was gonna say, you know,
1: you said one of the greatest moments of your life. So, you know, there's marrying Mrs. Ply,
0: there's I said my teenage birth. years to be sif right, to be the fair. Birth yeah. of your children, but it's WrestleMania fourteen. Fair enough, no, I fair enough. I didn't say it was the greatest moment of my life life. I just meant like this was like the of my teenage years. This this had this caused us to wrestle in the backyard to hit each other with chairs, to, to we had our own championship belts, we used to fight on snow piles and film that shit, and this was like, this was it, man. There was no better time to be a wrestling fan just in that teenage year. Just a ch- Just a, um, all the, the WWE divas for all the young boys, clearly Vince McMahon was pushing hard with all that stuff, some of this shit should have been rated R. It was just, yeah. woo, puppies! You know, so it was... It was, this is it. This is the moment that it all begins, really. This is the end of, this is the beginning of DX, too, by the way. Degeneration X forms the next night when Shawn Michaels goes away. The real DX, like the new DX forms, with Triple H and X-Pac. This is where wrestlers start jumping back from WCW, and the wars are kind of at their pinnacle. Like, this is just the shit, dude. I'd pay to be hit by a chair, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so what number was that? That was two. Can I just tell you what number one is? Because if this was written by classic wrestling fans, number one is WrestleMania three, ninety three thousand one hundred and seventy three 93,173 people, Pontiac Silverdome, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, Gorilla Monsoon, and Jesse the Body Ventura on the call. It's the irresistible force versus the immovable object. It's the body slam heard around the world. He slammed him. This was this was on NBC's Wide World of sport. This was like the biggest moment, dude. Like this was like Absolutely. the match Absolutely. sucks, by the way. Andre's past his prime. Poor guy. His giantism is catching up with him. He can barely move or walk anymore. Hogan basically carries him through the match. It was okay. It, we were just all ready for the slam and ready for the one, two, three. People actually legitimately, though, thought Andre would kill him in real life. Like, this was almost a Muhammad Ali, George Foreman type situation. Remember, I don't know if you remember the rumble in the jungle. Of course where, I like, do. They thought George Foreman, they were afraid for Ali's life. At this point, if then that in that classic heavyweight championship match, um, rope a dope. But this was, this was uh, Hogan. Oh, I want this championship match from you. But why didn't you just ask me, brother? I would have just given it to you. Why did you have to go and do this, Andre? Why, Andre? Like this was like, the moment, dude. This was the moment that I was a little kid. Hogan was a was a. This was superheroes, by the way. Before superheroes were superheroes. Like, we didn't have Marvel movies and DC movies and special effects. Like, wrestlers were like our superheroes, dude. They were huge. They were muscular. They tore people apart. They were larger than life. They cut promos. They were good guys. They were bad guys. This was real life comic book shit, bro. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't, an exact, uh, number but
1: it's interesting because it gets into that whole you know you like to talk about paywall and all that stuff with you know multiple sports but sure. it just says it just says millions uh, I wish the I wish it was a little more accurate but it just says millions watched on pay-per-view this was the first pay-per-view
0: time- by the way yeah at a time in 87 when pay-per-view events were not popular no Vince McMahon took a gamble on pay-per-view because the year before at WrestleMania 2 it was still closed circuit TV and WrestleMania 2 was kind of a failure because Vince McMahon tried a little too much. He went too big and he went to three separate venues. And I believe it was Los Angeles, Chicago, and New- uh, Los Angeles, Chicago, and I want to say New York. And they were having like this weird multicast event and the main event was Hogan and Bundy. We all know that in the steel cage. And then they had Roddy Roddy Piper versus Mr. T in a boxing match. Um, but the event really didn't work out well. It didn't. It it didn't mesh well. And Vince finally honed it in and said, "Well, fine, I'll just fill up a stadium." So he went and he and he filled up. This was, uh, I believe, Roy uh, Ray. Um, what's his name? The gentleman, the famous singer who was blind and played the piano. Uh, Jamie Ray Fox. Charles. Ray Charles sings "America the Beautiful." At this point, for this, that becomes like the standard. Every year, WrestleMania, they play "America the Beautiful." Um, the, uh, Bob Eucher was the special guest, um, uh, ring announcer for this match, I believe. And Andre famously choked him in an interview earlier in the night and he put his one hand around Bob Eucher's entire neck and choked him. Um, I believe Vanna White was there. I want to say Vanna White was the ring girl. It's hard to remember with the, uh, the celebrities. I want to say Alex Trebek was the timekeeper at the time. I could be wrong. It doesn't, it
1: doesn't, yeah, it doesn't say that. It doesn't get into that with this one, but yeah. I remember that simply being.
0: Vanna White the was biggest, there, dude.
1: That was the biggest thing ever, ever. At, at that point in ever. my life. 1987, when I had way, just gotten out of high school, that was huge.
0: By the way, Hogan, in the 80s, highest-paid professional athlete of the 80s, number one. Hogan, only professional wrestler to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated twice, by the way. Okay. Not just Pro Wrestling Illustrated and all this other shit. He was on Sports Illustrated twice, especially during this run. Nobody was bigger in the world as an athlete, famous-wise, than Hulk Hogan. I don't care what anybody says. 1985 to 1988, everybody was saying their prayers. Everybody was eating their vitamins. Everybody at this point was probably obeying their parents. Everybody was a Hulkamaniac, dude, at this point. like There was nothing bigger, and... And Andre, by the way, uh, interestingly, just to finish this off, Andre actually was never up to this point a WWF champion. That's number one. He did kind of win the WWF championship at Saturday night's main event a year later, I believe. That's when Earl Hebner had his twin referee, his brother Hebner, and they switched referees, and Andre was able to win the belt, but then he gave the belt to million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. He, because everybody's got a price, you know. And then from there, we have the, the famous tournament at WrestleMania four at Trump Plaza, where uh, Macho Man Randy Savage wins the belt and then stays champion for a year until Hogan and him explode. Um, but WrestleMania three was like a gift to Andre as well. And by the way, nobody knew if Andre was going to do it for him. Nobody knew if Andre was going to lay down for Hulk Hogan. Even Hogan didn't know if Andre was going to lay down for Hulk Hogan until the very end of the match, like Andre wouldn't tell anybody. He always, t- he never told anybody what he was going to do. They didn't think, cause he hadn't lost. Andre didn't lose. Do you know what I mean? And- yeah, I know what you mean. That
1: was, that was as
0: big as it, that was as big as it got.
1: And I mean, I can remember, I can go back to, eighty seven and that was as big as it got. Yes. I,
0: until ninety seven, by the way. Just yeah,
1: I was I was kind of out of the game by then, you know. But, I but was,
0: in uh, terms of money, in terms of popularity, in terms of ratings, eighty seven was as big as it got until ninety seven. That's what I'm just so it took about a ten year span. You could even make the argument it never really quite got to eighty seven or ninety seven levels again, but it got close with John Cena. Like Everybody shits on John Cena. Everybody knows who John Cena is, bro. You know what I mean? And by the way, John Cena does more Make-A-Wish for kids around this world than anybody else in history. He's the most requested Make-A-Wish on the planet, and he does every single one he can, and he never talks about it. That's
1: fantastic.
0: But, you know, so I don't know if – I guess that deserves to be number one just for the moment. One final tidbit, Muldog, and I don't think you even knew this, but if you did, you can tell me that they played it off at WrestleMania three. Like that was the first time Hogan slammed Andre like, Oh my gosh, he slammed him. He did it. Nobody thought anybody could ever slam Andre Hogan actually did slam Andre years previous at Shea stadium. When Hogan was first in the WWWF as a heel before he came back as Hulk Hogan. His manager was Classy Freddie Blassie, if you remember him.
1: Well, I remember Classy Freddie Blassie. He had the cane there, that diamond cane and everything. But I I don't remember the Shea Stadium match or him. I I was under the impression that was the first time that Andre got slammed. I mean, he was 500 pounds for crying out loud.
0: Correct. But Hogan had actually slammed Andre the Giant years before in a matchup where Andre was the good guy and Hogan was the heel. And it was at Shea Stadium. It was a special. It was not for the title. Uh, and and Andre ended up beating Hogan in that match. But Hogan slammed him. And it was kind of played off as, wow, he's strong. He slammed him. And then they kept going. Like, it wasn't a, it wasn't like an amazing moment. And and to this day, I still believe Gorilla Monsoon was the best wrestling play-by-play announcer of all time. And I believe Bobby the Brain Heenan was the best color commentator of wrestling of all time. Uh, I know people can make the argument that Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler are right up there with their prime, but nobody could talk about body parts like Gorilla Monsoon. He taught me more about the anatomy of the human body. He's hurting in his lower lumbar region. I didn't even know what a lower lumbar region was until I watched wrestling when I was a kid. I'm like, Dad. And my dad was like, Oh, my back hurts. I'm like, Oh, your lower lumbar region? Oh, yeah, Dad, you know, you gotta stretch out like this, you know? (laughs) Like, I so, great list, guys. <laughs> oh my gosh, we have to read this comment by the way, real quick. So Jessica says, "I was a catcher in softball and a keeper in soccer. I've taken many balls to the face." Let's keep
1: moving on. Uh, <laughs> Jessica, Jessica, Jessica. How do I, you top that? I can't
0: let that one slide. So anyway, all right, let, get it. Softball player slide. Anyway, how
1: the how the how the moderators not get that one?
0: Why? Uh, I'm going to get past the moderators. I'm going to, I'm going to make Jessica a moderator pretty soon. <laughs> we're That's taking putting the Fox in charge of the hen house. My <laughs> friend. We're going to, we're taking it back to the attitude era. So anyway, uh, anyway, great list. Moldog really great list, man. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah,
1: I with without all the live sports going on ESPN and, you know some of the other sites, Barstool. You know the, the ones I check on a regular basis. It's it's a list. It's a lot of brackets. It's a lot of replays. It's a lot of nostalgia and lore, which is right up my alley. Sure. But when I saw when I saw that one, I said, "Oh, this one
0: connects on a number of levels. I like this one." I can't argue with it because of the historical significance of it. It's it wins because WrestleMania is more about the moments than the matches. And I can't. That's such the that's every highlight reel. That's the one. OK, I could make an argument to replace some of those matches. With other matches, like definitely like some of the matches you mentioned, I, like I were to replace the triple threat Daniel Bryan match that we mentioned, because I know that was such a big moment. I would have replaced that with Macho Man Randy, Macho King Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania. I believe it was uh, it was WrestleMania 7, I believe. It was not 8, because at 8, Macho fights Ric Flair for the title. So, yeah, it's 7. Where if Macho lost, he had to retire, and he was a bad guy, and he was with Sensational Sherry versus the ultimate warrior and macho man, Randy Savage went on the top rope and elbowed the ultimate warrior with his famous elbow, like six times and warrior got up and beat him. And then after that, macho had to retire and it was crazy. And Sherry slapped him like, how dare you fail me? And, and then Elizabeth came out and slapped Sherry, and then Macho and Elizabeth were reunited for the first time in forever. And then they ended up getting married at SummerSlam with The Undertaker and Snakes and all this crazy shit going on. A match made in heaven, a match made in hell, SummerSlam, which was awesome. So I would have replaced matches like the couple of the ones that you said to me with like a match like that. Like that was such a great moment with Elizabeth on Macho's shoulder and he's holding her up, and the crowd is so happy, and the crowd, women in the crowd are crying, bro. This, like, forget the notebook. Forget all this other hunky-dory shit. (laughs) Women in the 80s, women in the 80s were crying, the ladies early, when Macho and Elizabeth, and he said, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? I love you. She's like, I love you too, and they're kissing in the ring, and it was just, like, that's a better moment. That's a better match. And just as good of a moment as Daniel Bryan winning the championship. So I could I could Fair nitpick enough. the list, but I, I'm not going to nitpick the number one in terms of the the ultimate moment, like the immaculate reception, like Joe Montana hitting that hitting that guy against the Bengals, John Taylor, yeah, like like uh, like Scott Norwood wide right, like that's up there with one of those. That's a moment. That's you know what I'm like that's a moment dude like you can't that's a walk-off grand slam home run moment even the rest of the ball game might have sucked
1: well yeah and that's kind of the comparison you've made because you mentioned multiple times throughout the list where you've said eh, that was more of a moment than a match or that was a great match or that was yeah that was this So you, you've kind of you've kind of made that um you know you've, you've made that kind of dichotomy there which uh, you know makes perfect sense but if you can get you know. the
0: moment and the match together which is very hard then you can you you can get on this list like you have to have a cl- a five-star match and a five-star moment but the problem with Hogan Andre and the slam and the announcing and the crowd the 93,173 people in the Pontiac Hoosier Dome that's a world record up until just recently by the way for indoor attendance Okay, I think it, I think WWE broke it again, but that was a that was an indoor attendance record in the Guinness Book of World Records for a long time. That crowd was pumped, bro, and I don't know if it's because cocaine was popular in the '80s, more so than it is today, so everybody was jacked up in that crowd. Because sometimes the crowd can get too big and muted for the uh, you know for the cameras or for the audience, like watching at home that crowd was jacked up like that crowd was like late 80s like wall street michael douglas ripping it bro when they went nuts when hogan slammed them so definitely i agree with the list mostly
1: okay well that was a good segment good segment ply
0: yeah man i like to i like what you brought to the table on that so now i got one for you man